Well, Happy New Year, Journey. I hope that you have made it through the holiday season well and got a little bit of time to relax. Uh, I always kind of like this day on January 1st where we're kind of at that very beginning of the year and we're looking into 2023 and it kind of has this feeling of a blank canvas. And it's that picture that I get where I get to decide how am I gonna paint that canvas this year. And in my life, one of the things that has become the most helpful to me is not just me decide what it is that I want this year to look like or how I want this year to be different, but that I would actually hold my life up to God and I would ask him, God, what are the things that you want about my life to be different this year? And one of the unique roles that I have as being one of the pastors here at Journey Church is uh, that I get the chance to shepherd a spiritual family. And so I get the chance to talk to God and with our staff, talk about what do we need to do to lead our spiritual family into 2023? Because you know that our vision and our mission is to lead people to become all in followers of Jesus. And over time, you've probably seen that we have what we call uh, a growth path. There's all these different rhythms and practices that we believe if you engage in these things, you will grow in your faith and you will grow to become more of an all-in follower of Jesus. And if you remember back to October, there was one Sunday, we did what we called a pulse survey where we just literally took the pulse of our church. And what we were doing was we were just trying to figure out where are we at in related to us being able to integrate these rhythms and practices into our life. And one of the things that came out of that Pulse survey is one area where we really wanted to grow in this coming year is in our Bible reading. Because we believe that that is the primary way that God speaks to us. And we, if we're gonna grow, we need to learn to hear and respond to his, to his voice. And so in this next year, you're gonna see that we're gonna become really, really intentional in thinking about how do we help people learn to experience God through his word. And as soon as I start to think about that topic and trying to encourage people to do that, I think of all the conversations that I've had with people over time where they start to talk about the barriers that they have. And it doesn't seem like there's any greater barrier than time. People say, I just don't have enough time. But I don't even think time is the biggest problem that we have. It's not just about trying to shoehorn in this Bible reading and time with God into our life. The problem that we have is that we don't have time to give our attention to God. We are in a attention deficit culture. And this is what I mean by that. The world actually has, economists in this world have a phrase that they use, they call it the attention economy. And what they're saying is that there's an actual arms race out there. Companies and people doing anything they can to grab your attention. Because what they know is if they can grab your attention, they can get your money, but they've got to get your attention. And so they barrage you in so many different ways to try to grab your attention. And the problem is, is that we give it to them. We give them our attention all the time because they are so good at it. And here is my evidence, a phone. We have this with us almost all the time, 24 seven, they have the access to us. They can influence us through our phones. Whenever I read the statistics around how much people are on their phones, I, I just think that can't be true. One of the statistics that I read that said, a study showed that the average iPhone user across America touches their iPhone 2,617 times per day. And that's all iPhone users. If you take that and go to the millennials, 
40 years and younger, the number is almost twice that. We give our attention away. There's this insistent, unrelenting way that our phones are constantly trying to grab a hold of our attention. There's notifications, there's alerts, there's status updates. It's just this constant barrage that is coming at us. I think about it often when I think about what it's like to, to drive at night in a snowstorm. And you know when you have your, your headlights up and your brights are on and the snow is coming at you and it's coming so fast and there's so much of it that you actually get blind to actually where you're going. You can't see what is coming ahead of you. And I think that's a picture of what it's like in our culture when we allow all these messages to come at us. We weren't made to be able to metabolize all those messages. And what we want to learn to do, what we want to try to help you, and what, I, what I've learned in those snowstorm environments is that what you need to do, one is that you need to turn your lights down. Turn your lights down to the ground where you're going so that you know what your next step is. Not where you're going way out there, but what is your next step? And sometimes you've just got to slow down and sometimes even turn your lights off and you can actually see much better. That's what we need to learn, friends, is that we need to learn to slow down in order to be able to hear the voice of God in our life because we want to be able to take back our attention, and I believe that we can. But here's the thing. It's not just our attention. The effects of, it's not just time on our phone, but this, the time that we spend on our phone, the time that we give to our attention to, even things like social media, it actually has a negative effect on our soul. And I was reading this book over the last couple of months called Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. And there are multiple studies that equate and show the correlation between social media use and anxiety and depression. And, and you don't have to know much about our culture right now to see over and over that anxiety and depression is a debilitating thing and it is epidemic in our culture, but yet we still grab a hold of things like social media and the news, and we're constantly tied to technology, and it's killing our soul. I wanna just ask you some questions to take a little bit of an inventory in terms of maybe where your soul is in this state and in this time. I would like to ask you, like, where is your joy meter? Like, like how joyful are you? Like, if you had to measure it on a scale of one to 10, how would you measure your consistent level of joy? I wonder sometimes how often are we just lighthearted and carefree as we go through our life? I also wonder, what is it like when you wake up in the morning? Are you excited to press into the day? When you think about your future, is it exciting to you or is there this sense of fear and dread? When you walk through your life, do you have a deep sense of being known and deeply loved and valued? Are those things that are true of you? Or do you feel at the end of the day, I just feel like I'm exhausted, I feel like I'm numb, I feel like I'm distracted. Sometimes I think I feel like what I heard from Bilbo Baggins, he said this, I feel all thin, sort of stretched, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. The reason I'm asking these questions isn't because I think that there's something wrong with you. It's because I feel like there's something wrong with me. I don't like the answers that I often give to those questions that I just ask. I believe that God wants me to experience something much different than I've been experiencing in these last handful of months. I think he wants it to be different for me and I think he wants it to be different for you as well. 
But here's what I know, is that there's nobody that wants it to be more different for me and for you than Jesus himself. This isn't the experience that he wants us to have in our walk with him and in our faith with him. In fact, I just wanna read to you an invitation that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago, and that invitation still stands for us today, and it's an invitation to be with him. This is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think for us to understand the depth of what Jesus is trying to say there, we need to understand a couple of the first century idioms that he's using there. For him as a rabbi, every rabbi had what they called a yoke. And a yoke was a rabbi's understanding how he read the Torah. Meaning, how did we apply the laws of God to our life? Meaning, how did we use the commands of God to be able to carry the burden of this life? Because Jesus, when you listen to his life and you listen to his teaching, he will say that this life is not easy. This life is challenging. But if our yoke is gonna be easy and our yoke is gonna be light and our burden is gonna be light, we need to do it with him and we need to do it at his pace. I mean, when you think about this, he's, he's offering us rest, but he's using a really unique imagery because he's talking about a yoke. And when you think about a yoke, you think about oxen that are tied to a plow and pulling through a field. That is a work metaphor, a work picture. But Jesus is inviting rest. This life is work. He's not gonna say that this life is easy and it doesn't require work. But if we're gonna be able to carry the load of this life, we've gotta do two things. We've gotta do it with him and we gotta do it at his speed. There was one of the things that a first century person would understand in terms of how does an oxen learn to plow? Oftentimes what they would do is they would take a young oxen, one that had never spent much time in the field, and they would pair that oxen with an older oxen that knew how to carry the load for the day because a younger oxen was often eager and would try to go too fast and was unable to be able to make it through the day. But that's the picture that Jesus wants us to have. If you're gonna make it through the day, if you're gonna make it through this life, it means that you have to do it with him, tied with him, listening to him, and doing it at his speed. And here's what we have to understand about the speed of Jesus. He did everything at the speed of slow. He did life slow. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, when we read through the gospels, you never ever see Jesus in a hurry. He always had time to do everything. He always had time to pause. He always had time to pause to pray. He always had time to pause for people, made tons of room for people in his life. And he always had time to pause to be able to live on purpose. Jesus had an ultimate purpose of why he came here. And even though his life was slow, he never lost his purpose because he was able to pause. And that's gonna be the challenge for us. And that's why in this sermon where we're talking about Bible reading, I haven't even talked about Bible reading yet. All I've talked about is we've got to learn how to pause because if we can't pause, if we can't slow down enough to give God our attention, we will never be able to hear from him. 
We've got to harness how technology is grabbing our attention if we're gonna be able to hear and respond to the voice of God. I was thinking about this picture that I'll show you here in a, in a second. Uh, one of the highlights probably of this last month for me was Bobcat football. Uh, my middle son and I, we went to three games together and we got to sit on the 50 yard line during Cat Grizz and the two home playoff games. And those were fun games, exciting to watch, lots of high fives, just so much exuberance in the stands. But during the second game, it was the first playoff game, I looked down and there was this gal that was sitting in front of me and she was, had her head down and she had her hood pulled over. She had earbuds in and she had it tied to her phone and she sat there on her phone the whole time. She never looked up at the game. And I couldn't believe it. I pointed it out to my son and I said, can you believe that she's watching something on television right now? And he said, you haven't noticed that? He said, she was there the whole Cat Grizz game and she never looked up once. And so then the next two games, I was just watching her. She never looked up once. And I was just thinking, why? Why are you even here? Such a waste. But then there was something that kind of convicted me as I was writing this sermon. I thought about that picture of that woman. And I thought, there's so many days, there's so many times that I think that picture is me. There are so many things that are happening, exciting things that God is doing in and through his kingdom, but I miss it because I don't give him my attention. I've got my hood on. I've got my earbuds in. I'm watching things. I'm tied into this world more than I'm tied into him, and I don't get the opportunity to hear from him and be called into and experience the exciting things that are happening in the kingdom. And friends, I just don't think that I'm alone. I don't think I'm alone. I think that's something as I talk with people, we just miss it because we're so tied in to the things of this world. So here's what I wanna do now. I wanna just do some things that I've been trying to do over the last handful of months and weeks to try to unplug from the things of this world, to unplug from technology so that I can give more of my life and more of my attention to God. And it has a lot to do with this little thing here, my phone. Here's some of the things that I've been doing. What I do is after eight o'clock at night, I either turn this off, I silence it, or I put it away in the drawer. I just say, I've had enough. I give my soul an opportunity to head into bedtime without being barraged by the things of this world. I just simply put it away. But a second thing that I do is I don't let this be the first thing that I grab a hold of in the morning. And as I've shared with other people about that, they'll, they'll push back and say, but my phone is my alarm clock. Great, your phone is your alarm clock. Let it wake you up and then put it away. Don't let texts, don't let emails, don't let notifications be the first thing that you do. Give your soul a break. Give your soul a rest as you move into the day. Let the voice of God be the first thing that you hear. And so for me, that's what I try to do is the first thing that I do is spend time in the scriptures, hearing and responding to the voice of God. And there are days, I'll admit it, that I fail, that for some reason, I look at something. I look at an email, I look at a text, I start looking at something online, and I, can't just, I can just tell you it just ruins the day. It makes the day so much different because suddenly I've got to reorient my mind again to try to get my attention back to the things of God. Those days that I spend just listening to him, letting him set the agenda for my day are the best days that I have. 
Turn this thing off at night and don't let it be the first thing that you wake up to in the morning. And here's the thing that's been revolutionary for me is I didn't even know you could do this, but you can turn off all the notifications on your phone from social media, from any kind of marketing. You can turn all of those off and I've just turned them all off. And the only thing, the only one that I leave on is my text messages because I haven't figured out uh, how to not miss some important things that are happening throughout my day from coworkers and, and family, but maybe I'll even figure, figure that out as well. But it's been so helpful for me. I don't let little dings and buzzes be the thing that tells me that I need to give attention to my phone. I decide, I tell it when I want to give my attention to it. Just turn off your notifications. And what I began to do as well is just start to think about how much time do I spend on my phone versus how much time do I spend in the scriptures? How much time do I spend either surfing social media, surfing for things online versus spending time hearing and responding to the voice of God? And I think as we start to balance those things in our life, that God will have the opportunity to have our attention and to be able to speak to us because we're never, friends, we're, we're just never gonna encounter God the way that we want to encounter him if he only gets a tiny little piece of our attention. We've got to figure out how to give him more and more of our heart and mind. And again, I said, I've, I've started a sermon talking about Bible reading and I haven't even talked about how to read the Bible yet because I believe that unless we figure out how to take some things off of our plate, learn to say no to some things, to create some margin and space, we won't be able to create the time and the energy to be able to give God our attention the way that he would want to have our attention because he wants us to be able to slow down and listen to his voice. Here's how the Apostle Paul talked about how the world and how the word can impact our life. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, I, I talk to people all the time and they're just like, I just wanna know God's will for my life. What Paul would want us to understand is that if we listen to the world, that's what's gonna conform. That's what our mind is gonna conform to. But when we listen to the word, when we create opportunities for the word to speak, into our mind, to be the thing that shapes our mind, that shapes our thinking. We understand what it is that God wants for our life. And that's the intention of the word, that it would conform us, that it would change us from the inside out. That as we start to integrate the truths of God's scripture and obey his scripture, it's gonna change the way that we think. It's gonna change the way that we feel. It's gonna change the way that we live in every aspect. And honestly, it's gonna change the way that we love people around us. We are gonna become more like Christ when we allow his word to be the thing that is preeminent in our life. But I hope that there's a question that's wellowing up in your mind right now. It's like, well, how? How does the Bible do all that? And I'm, I'm gonna say this without, without any shame. This book is supernatural. This book is supernatural. It has the capacity to do things that no other book has the capacity to do. Here's how the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. He says, the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates 
even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word, the word is living and active. It has the ability to go to the deep places of our heart and speak to us. And how is it able to do that? One thing, it is the Holy Spirit. When we look at the scripture, this scripture over thousands of years was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God that moved the authors of the scripture to write the very words that we have here in this Bible. And that same Holy Spirit that moved the authors to write those words is the same Holy Spirit that lives in the life of every believer, every person that has bowed their knee to Jesus and made him their king. That spirit lives within them. And that spirit knows the message that you need to hear from God. That same spirit that wrote the Bible is the same spirit that what the Bible calls illumines the word. It illumines it to our mind. It brings things to our attention. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And now when, when I say those kind of things, um, I'm imagining that there might be some people that are saying, you know, that, that sounds like kind of magical, mystical, a little bit of hocus pocus. Like how does, how does that actually happen? Now I'm gonna say again, it is supernatural but God uses very natural and normal processes for his word to begin to shape our life. And here's what I wanna do is I just wanna share with you how this has worked for me over my life and my time. And here's what I wanted you to do in this coming year, starting today, January 1, I want you to join me in this practice of studying the scripture together and I want you to apply this. And you might be out there saying, yeah, I've done stuff like that before, it doesn't work. Um, Humor me, just humor me. Even if you're convinced that it will not work, just do it just to prove me wrong. Because I believe that if you sincerely come to God in his word, asking him to speak to you, I believe that he will. And I believe he has the power to change your life. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Start with a plan. Oftentimes people just kind of have this, like I'm just gonna open the Bible and I'm gonna point somewhere and I'm gonna read. Um, that hasn't been helpful for me. It has been most helpful for me when I decide that there are chunks of scripture that I'm gonna read over a designated period of time. And here's what we're gonna do together as a church. Over the next 90 days, starting now on January 1, we're gonna read through the gospels together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's about a chapter a day. And here's what I want you to do. As you open the scripture, and you go to read that chapter every day, the first thing that I want you to do is I just want you to pray. I want you to pray and ask God to speak to you. That Holy Spirit that lives within you, just say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? You know the message that I need to hear today. Would you bring to mind the things that you have for me today? Would you just trust him to do that? The first thing that I want you to do is pray. And then the next thing that I want you to do is uh, this is what has been helpful for me. You might have a different system, but for me, I have a pen and a journal. And for me, the thing I love about having a pen and a journal is that a pen, when I hold that pen in my hand and I'm looking at the scriptures, it tells me that I'm expectant. I'm expectant that God is gonna show up in my life and he's gonna have something for me to say. And when he says it, I wanna be ready to write it down. I wanna be ready to write it down so that I can respond to it. And what I do is that each day there's just a chunk of scripture and I read those 
read that chunk of scripture and I just respond to the things uh, that God is saying to me. And here's how that often happens to me. I will just simply read through the text of scripture, whatever the reading plan has for that day, and I just wait until something grabs my attention. And when I say grabs my attention, it, it can do that in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's, it's a question that comes up. I'm just thinking like, what in the world does that mean? I don't feel like I've ever seen that before. And, and that might lead me to a, a, an action step of, I, I need to do some more study. I need to under, understand what that means and how this ties in to other scriptures. Sometimes there's things that are convicting to me. I'm looking at what God says should be true of my life and I'm looking at my life and they're not the same. And so that leads to confession. It's like I need to acknowledge that, that I'm not living the way that God wants me to and there's sin in my life. I need to confess that. I need to repent of that. I need to turn from the way that I'm going and I need to turn back to God. Sometimes there's just a simple prompting where uh, there's a, a scripture that just kind of, I don't know how to describe it other than it just kind of jumps off the page at me. And so I write it down and I'll often just start to pray into it and ask the Lord, is there anything more that you want to say to me about that? Why are you bringing that up to me? And I don't try to filter the things that come to my mind. I just try to write it down and trust that God is doing something in my heart and life and I'm gonna write it down and I wanna be responsive to it. Sometimes there's a command of scripture that it's just obvious that I need to obey this and there's a tangible way that I need to take a step of faith in my life to be able to be obedient to what it is that God is asking me to do. But there are two questions that I think every time that you leave your time of, of spending time in the scriptures that you have to ask if you're gonna bring transformation to your life. One question is just simply, God, what is it that you're saying to me? Holy Spirit, what is it that you are saying to me? And the second question is, what do you want me to do about it? What is it that you want me to do? Oftentimes we think that I'm just gonna read for information, but it's when we actually take an action step and we put our faith in action that our faith grows. Faith wasn't intended to be just a, a knowledge word. Faith is action. Faith means that we take steps and that's why we're always talking about what is our next step around here because we want to grow in our faith to become an all-in follower of Jesus and it means that we're gonna continually have to do things to follow him in obedience. I can't say it any better uh, than James, the brother of Jesus, said in James chapter one, starting verse 22, he's talking about this idea of do. You can hear what God has to say, but we've gotta think, God, what do you want me to do? Starting in verse 22 of chapter one, he says, do not, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You just can't miss the, the thrust of what James wants us to understand. Engaging the scriptures is about doing something. And this is what's been helpful for me. I just write that word on my journal page. I just write do with a little colon behind it and I put a box around it and I just ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? 
What is one action step that I can take? Is there anything you want me to do uh, on your behalf? And I just try to listen. Like, is, is there anything that comes to my mind? I don't try to filter it. I don't try to make excuses. I don't try to um, just get fearful. Uh, I just write it down. And then I just pray, God, would you give me the courage to follow through on this today? Let me, I, when I think about what are the possibilities, not just for you as an individual or, or me as an individual, but what would be the possibilities for our church and our valley if we all did this? If every day we slowed our life down, we gave God our full attention, and we listened to his voice from the scripture, and we just said, God, what do you want me to do? What is my step today? And we all did it. What do you think would happen? I can't even imagine because what I know would happen in each of our individual lives is that we would grow beyond anything that we've ever grown at any other time that we've grown. And it would change our valley. It would change our world if we just simply were willing to hear and respond to the voice of God. And you know what else happens? Is that our faith becomes real. God becomes real. God just isn't this concept out there. He is a God that is speaking to me. He's giving me assignments and I'm following through and I'm seeing him work in my life and I'm seeing him work through my life into the lives of other people and it will change us. And one of the last things that I've started to do over the last couple years uh, with my journaling is just for for accountability is I'll often just take uh, take a picture of that journal page and I'll send it to a couple of my friends and they send me their journal pages of what God is, what they're hearing from God and what he's asking them to do. And it's just a way to encourage one another. And I would encourage you to do that as well. And here's my, what I wanna, I just wanna make it as a promise. I just, I, I just wanna say, I promise your life will change if you develop a pattern of doing this. And let's do this over the next 90 days. Over the last couple months, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, her name's Kelly, and she started talking with me about how she started reading the Bible for the first time. And it was always interesting to me the, the kinds of questions that were coming to her mind and things that she was asking me. And she just started to share stories about how her life was changing and how much she was growing. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to do a a little interview with Kelly so that you could just hear a little bit uh, from her about how Bible reading and hearing and responding to the voice of God has changed her life. Kelly, thanks so much for being here with us this morning. I'm excited to introduce you to our Journey family. We've been talking about uh, engaging the scriptures, and it was a couple months ago uh, you and I were having a conversation and you were just sharing some things about how reading the scriptures has become a little bit more, has become a part of a uh, rhythm of your life that hadn't been in the past. And you were talking about some of the changes that that brought to your life. I just wanted to ask you some questions about that. I was wondering a little bit about what was it that caused you to start reading the Bible? What prompted you to do that? Yeah, um, I have a, a friend and a colleague that had talked about Jesus like he was a member of their family. And it was always really inspiring to me. And it was um, in a conversation where he had showed me his Bible app. There was a streak of like 900 days. And I just remember pausing to myself and thinking, there's people that read the Bible every single day. And it, it kind of just opened my eyes of, am I missing something here? So um, that's, I guess, what uh, in, intrigued me and kind of um, led me led me there initially. 
Well, one of the things that I know about you, Kelly, you've got a lot of things going on as a businesswoman. You teach group fitness uh, here in town. You were a mom of two little kids and a wife. That There's a lot of things going on in your world. How is it that you have made time to make Bible reading and engaging the scriptures part of your life? Time is our most valuable resource, I think. And uh, if you look at where we waste a lot of time, there's a lot of time I was spending reading the news, uh, scrolling aimlessly on social media, online shopping, things that really didn't add, right. g give much to my life. And I have just made it where I, I use my Bible app on my phone, um, and it's the first thing that I do when I get up in the morning. And uh, honestly, it's probably the last thing I do at night, uh, and I do it throughout the day. It didn't start that way. It started with just a morning, uh, a morning routine of I'm going to get up and I'm going to read, and it was only a couple minutes every morning, and I just kept wanting more of it. And so it wasn't just five or seven minutes in the morning. It was while I was eating lunch, and it was before I was going to close my eyes and go to bed. It was my way to, to wind down throughout the day. And so it, it kind of has sprinkled itself all throughout my day. When I have downtime, I'm right. not on the news or on social media. I'm reading. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. One of the things that I was curious, you've shared with me some different stories along the way. How has that impacted your life? How has that made a difference in your life and your marriage and your family? How have you seen that impacting you? Um, in all ways, honestly. Um, I feel like a completely different person than who I was three months ago uh, when I kind of started down this path. And I've, we've, I've always had a Bible in my house. I, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, I remember accepting the Lord as my Savior very, very early on in Awana. Uh, and I've just never read the Bible. Yep. I've never read the Bible. Sure, we read scripture and hear scripture at church in a service, but I've never dug into it on my own. And yeah. so that was something that uh, really, for me, it has shifted the way that I think about things. I feel like Jesus is a passenger in my car riding in the front seat with with me. And yep. um, one instance that comes to mind is I remember uh, mornings with two young girls are <laughs> yes. are rough sometimes. And uh, if I only could tally the number of times that you say, please brush your teeth, please brush your teeth. <laughs> and there was a, a bit of a rough patch a few months back where I just felt really yucky about losing my cool and raising my voice and being really angry. And from yeah. what I was reading, that's not what, what God wants us to be. He wants us to be patient and to be gentle and to be loving and, and more like him. And I was not. Uh, <laughs> me and my motherhood was, I get I was it. not there. I, I get it. Um, and so I just remember pausing and walking in, into the other room and out of the bathroom and saying, God, let, let your spirit guide me and, and, and give me patience and, and help me through this. And we kind of went on our way and it was a couple mornings later that I realized we've had like three amazing mornings in a row yep. where they listened to my words and I didn't raise my voice and and we had a really cool moment as a family that me and my two daughters uh, as we were driving to school just just I told them that what I had asked for and what I had prayed prayed for and yes how, and how God had delivered that and that yep. was all just from what I had been 
reading, and it, yep. it, it kind of directed that for me. So that's just an, an example. One of the things that stuck out very early on in my reading was that nothing bad should come out of our mouths. And I used to <laughs> swear a fair amount, and not that I'm proud of that, but holy smokes, I started to realize like that is, that is God does not want me to, to do that. Yeah. And uh, with my husband though, uh, we've, we've, it has brought us so much closer together. And um, I love, I love when I know he's on his phone and, and reading his Bible because I know that God is speaking right to his heart. And, and that is going to create a bond between the two of us. That's, that's closer than anything that the two of us could create on our own. Yeah. Um, it's led yeah. to some really cool discussions. It's led to a, a just a shift in our entire family, how we function and and what guides us through the day. Um, I feel that there's a lot more peace between the yeah. two of us. Um, I feel that we are walking with a really in a really trusting way yeah. with the Lord, and and He is going to continue to to bless our marriage and bring us closer and closer together yeah that's so. really fun something that when you started reading i noticed that you told me that the bible app was something that you were engaged in and that you found uh really helpful what is it that you liked about the bible app or how did you find that helpful for you i love it because of its convenience so it's it, you always have your phone with you therefore i have my bible in my pocket at all times yeah I love that I can, one, you can find plans that speak right to your life that are pre-done with devotionals, with verses that correspond. Um, I love that. I love that I can grow in community with a few close friends in, yep. and we can do that together. My husband and I can, can do studies together. Yep. That's been something that I've really, yep. really loved getting to do. You can highlight in any Bible. But I really like the ease of being able to be like, this verse speaks to me. I want to remember this. Or when I read through this next time, I want to be able yep. to know that stop on this piece of scripture and, and sink, sink into this because yep. it, there's meat here. Yep. And so um, it, it, it's easy. It's easy for me yep. to, to have that with me. So yeah. Those, yeah. That's, and it's fun that we're friends on the Bible app. And so I get to see what you're reading and highlighting and vice versa. It's always kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So just out of curiosity, Kelly, what's your streak at now? I know that you're a competitive person, so where's your streak? I am at, I think, seven, 10 weeks, 76 days or so, something like that. That's all. Which I know that's not a lot, but I, this that just is a, started. That is a lot. That is going. a lot. So when you think about, I mean, we're sitting on January 1st here and we're thinking about the year coming up. Like, what does your Bible reading look like for this year? What are your What are your plans coming going uh, forward? My, it's simple. I just don't want to miss a day. Yeah. Uh, I, I want that to be the first thing that I do every morning. And yep. Uh, I want it to be a guiding part of every day of, of the next year. That's awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much for your time. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Journey, um, here's the assignment. Here's my ask for you. Sign up. Sign, go to journeyweb.net and sign up to be a part of our reading plan. And just give this a shot, 90 days. Give it 90 days to hear and respond to the voice of God and see what God does in your life. Here's a couple of commitments from me and our pastoral staff. We're gonna be doing this as well. And if you sign up online every week, uh, either myself or one of the other pastors, 
around here, we're gonna send you a short little video where we just share really briefly, like 90 seconds of what we felt like we heard from God and what he's asking us to do in the Bible reading for that day. It's just as a way for us to be accountable and encourage one another because we believe that all of us uh, have the privilege of getting to hear God's voice and put it in to practice. And I wanna ask you to do that with us in this next year. Let's do it together. And here's what I also wanna ask you to do. Um, I'm so confident that God's gonna use this to change your life and in many ways, there's gonna be stories of how God shows up in your life in powerful ways as you take steps of faith. I wanna ask you, uh, when those stories happen, would you send them to me? I would send them to my email address here at journeybob, B-O-B, at journeyweb.net. And that goes to my assistant, but I get to see it. And we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life together. And I'm just gonna pray right now over what we're gonna do over the next 90 days, as once again, I invite you uh, to take that challenge with us. Holy Spirit, uh, I just pray that people that are hearing the sound of my voice, wherever they are scattered around our valley or even around the world, uh, that you would nudge them, that you would prompt them to make space in their life to hear from you. Jesus, we want to hear from you. We know that our lives are better when they're yoked with you, when our lives are being lived at your pace. You are gentle and humble of heart. And you're, yeah, we just trust you with every aspect of our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Journey, I love you, and I'm so excited that we get to do this together.